Welcome to episode 15 of the Play Like a Champion show, a podcast from Play Like a Champion today. I'm Pete Piscatello. I'll be joined by Kristen Sheehan in just a moment, along with today's guest. First, a little housekeeping. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you missed last week's conversation or any of our previous episodes, be sure to go back and take a listen. We've had the opportunity to talk to some fantastic coaches this fall into last spring, some great leaders in sports. You can find the Play Like a Champion show in all your favorite podcasting services, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, any of the others. Please be sure you click that subscribe button so you're alerted to new episodes as they're released. And if your podcast app of choice allows, we would appreciate it if you would rate and review the podcast. We always appreciate feedback and giving us that five-star review helps others to find the show. Finally, connect with us on social media so that we can interact. P at PLC for character on Twitter and Instagram and at play like a champion on Facebook. Our website is playlikeachampion.org. You can find all our information on there. Today's guest is a woman who's done tremendous work over the course of a distinguished career that's really uh, taken her across a number of really interesting positions. We'll hear more about that in just a moment. First, let's bring in Kristen Sheehan. Kristen, how are you doing today and what have you been working on this week? Hey, Pete. I'm doing just fine. I'm looking for hope as we're coming toward the end of the year, entering the season of Thanksgiving and of course the holidays. And um, we've actually been, you know, really active and engaged here, play like a champion, even though we can't travel to locations to put on our coach clinics and our parent workshops. We've been doing them virtually. Uh, you know, we, we don't do online education, but you can take our interactive clinics and spread them into the virtual space. And so I, you know, I've had several opportunities last week and this week to be working with uh, returning and, and new partners on our coach clinic, our parent workshop, and even athlete leadership development. And so that's been a lot of fun because my favorite part of our job is actually getting to do our curriculum. Yeah, I second that, the opportunity to actually interact uh, with uh, our partners uh, across the country is really uh, one of the, the most fun parts of what we do. Uh, and of course, we hope, we hope uh, that as we get into the new year, into 2021, um, that sports will continue to resume around the country. We know a lot of people have been on hold, um, but hopefully we're in a position uh, and we can get through you know, another spike in, in uh, coronavirus cases here uh, and get to a point where um, sports can resume in, in all our communities because we, we all miss it so much uh, when it hasn't been there. And when that happens, of course, uh, you know, any, anybody who's listening, feel free to reach out to us. We, uh, we do have the opportunity to do virtual training for coaches uh, and parents and, as you mentioned, student athletes. So uh, we're excited about that. Well, Kristen, enough of us rambling. Uh, let's bring in today's guest. Tell us about Bethany Henderson. Indeed. Hi, Bethany Henderson. Welcome. She is the CEO of DC Scores and the network president for America Scores. She is an award-winning social entrepreneur and cross-sector leader. Currently in her role with DC Scores, she is helping 
DC's most vulnerable children find success at school, on the playing field, and in life. Uh, she has a rich um, background in her uh, her professional endeavors, which we'll be sharing with you throughout the interview. But I do want to let you know where her education is from. She earned her JD at Harvard Law School and both an MA and a BA at the University of Pennsylvania. She is decorated with many awards and honors, including being named a Center for Nonprofit Advancement Executive Director of the Year in 2018, a Washington Business Journal Nonprofit Profit Director of the Year in 2017, and an Echoing Green Fellow in 2009. Uh, Bethany, your uh, resume is quite impressive, and we are grateful that you've uh, joined our community today uh, to share more about your work and the value that sport provides to young people. And so we're going to get started here by letting our listeners get to know you a little better. So can you tell us about the role sports played in your childhood and your school years? And and what role do sports play now in your life? Absolutely. So Kristen, Pete, thank you for having me here. It's great to be here with you. Growing up, I was the athlete in a non-athletic family, which I think was extremely confusing to my parents. So I played t-ball, I played basketball, volleyball, swimming, kind of whatever I could, I could find my way into. Uh, but basketball was really the main sport I played growing up. When I went to college, I actually switched over to ultimate frisbee. And so I competed nationally in ultimate Frisbee during college and beyond and got to go to a few national championship tournaments, which was pretty amazing experience. As an adult, I've actually continued to play uh, ultimate Frisbee until recently. I met my husband playing ultimate Frisbee, but now that we are a little older, uh, it is not as easy to run around with the 20 year olds all day. And so in my forties, I've actually switched to doing tough mutters. I actually just completed my second one, this one virtual because of COVID. You began your life as an attorney uh, and then founded City Hall Fellows, an organization that empowers young talent to help their cities run better. Uh, what can you tell us about that and kind of your early career? Absolutely. So I actually began my career working for the city of New York before I went to law school okay. and had a pretty transformational experience. I'd always knew I wanted to do something public policy, social impact, but I had also always thought that that meant D.C., that meant Capitol Hill. Working for the city of New York after college was really eye-opening for me about how local government is really where policy becomes programs, where it actually, you know, you see the effect of lives on real people in a fundamentally different way, daily lives. And so it was based on that year that I got the idea for City Hall Fellows, which was a local government service course. So think like a Teach for America, but for city governments and modeled on the experience I had in what was a gap year, although we didn't call it gap year at the time, uh, it really gave me the idea to start City Hall Fellows from scratch, which is uh, something I did right after I went to law school. So I, after that year in New York, I, I did go to law school. I practiced law for a number of years. But the idea to, to roll out this local government service corps to get young people really focused on policy and programs and impact in their own backyards was something that stuck with me for my own gap year. I love that. And the, and the gap year, you're right. Um, it used to not be a thing, and now it's very common, and we get some incredible work out of young people who take gap years and really learn maybe what their passion is. Um, so maybe we could go into uh, your your other parts of your career, like serving as a White House fellow, uh, working as a professor at George Mason University, even starting a t-shirt company, which I thought sounded really interesting. Uh, so this might be a difficult question, but I'm wondering if there are perhaps one or two themes or lessons you've taken from your work that have stuck with you 
you and have impacted your work today? It's a great question. I think themes, I, I stopped climbing a ladder early on. I often, when I'm talking to, to college students and folks right out of college, they're very anxious about what's next. And I say, well, of course you are, because your whole life you've been climbing a ladder. You go to elementary school, then you go to middle school, then you go to high school, then you go to college, and then everybody jumps on different ladders, right? Um, and so for me, I stopped, you know, I kind of realized that a while ago and stopped climbing that ladder and looked for things that were fun and meaningful and where I thought I would get a lot of enjoyment out of building something. I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I like to create and innovate. And so that's definitely kind of been a theme throughout my career are things that are fun, meaningful, where I can innovate and be entrepreneurial. That is, I think, excellent advice for, for all of our young people, right? Uh, so I'm, I'm glad that you share that with them because we do. We too often sort of uh, think of that as a ladder to climb and uh, you've done had an amazing impact in your career uh, by looking at things the way that you have. Uh, now you're working with DC Scores and with the America Scores Network. Uh, tell us about how you became involved with DC Scores. What's the organization's mission and vision? All that good stuff. Absolutely. So for me, DC Scores was a great way when I came out of the White House to go back to local impact work and go back to doing something fun, meaningful and, and innovative where I could really have an impact in my own backyard. DC Scores really focuses on helping kids in need develop the skills and habits to succeed on the playing field, in the classroom and in life. Our whole child programming really focuses on working with kids to help them become their best selves. And we do it through a pretty unique combination. Every child who joins a DC Scores team practices and plays soccer with their DC Scores team and writes and performs original poetry with their DC Scores team and designs and carries out service projects with their DC Scores team. So it's very much a mind, body, and soul type program where we engage the whole child in everything that we do. For me, when I was looking for my next adventure when I left the White House. I wanted to do something meaningful and fun. I wanted to do something that was creative and impactful. I wanted to work locally. I wanted to work in the area where I lived. I wanted to work on issues that were really important to me. My own children are DC scores age now. They were younger then. And the disparity and opportunity between our public school that they attend now in Virginia and the public school down the street in Washington, DC was mind boggling to me. And so creating opportunities was really meaningful. And then sports were so important in my life, the power and value of a team, the power and value of a coach were fundamental to me uh, and helped make me who I am. And so it seemed a really exciting opportunity to help other kids experience that same power. That's excellent work. I, I love how you incorporate poetry, service learning, even nutrition education and arts enrichment. How did scores, how did the scores network decide to expand their programming? Because if you offer soccer, you think great, soccer is awesome. But adding those other elements makes it, as you pointed out, whole child programming. Uh, what led the organization to go in that direction? Absolutely. So that is actually part of the origin story of the organization. We were not a soccer program that then decided to add things. Scores was actually founded over 25 years ago by a school teacher just down the street from me in Washington, D.C. And she noticed that a bunch of her fifth grade girls were hang students were hanging out after school in the street corners. And it was in a neighborhood where at the time that was just simply not a safe place for them to be. And so she was a soccer player. She'd been a soccer player in college. So she said to these students, hey, if you want to learn how to play soccer, you can come hang out with me after school. So they did. 
and she taught him how to play soccer. And she was a Teach for America Corps member, got a few of her other Corps members at nearby schools to do the same thing. And that was great. And they, they played soccer for a little while. And then the weather got bad, as it tends to do in D.C. in the winter. But the kids kept coming. And she realized they really needed that safe space with her, with each other. But they couldn't keep playing soccer because it was too cold and miserable outside. And so she thought, well, they like one thing I like. Maybe they'll like something else I like. And she was a poet. That was her art form of choice. So she started teaching these girls how to write poetry. And I don't mean how to analyze poetry and read and analyze Walt Whitman or even Shel Silverstein. I mean how to write poetry, how to use it as a form of self-expression. And pretty quickly, she discovered that the bonds of trust the children built with each other and her on the soccer field translated into them being very willing to be vulnerable in the poetry form. And what they were writing about was really heavy life stuff, things they were going through, using the writing of poetry as a way to process what was happening in their lives, not just their traumas, but their hopes, not just their fears, but their dreams. And from that, Scores was born. She realized pretty quickly early on that these same kids were rarely given agency. They were rarely empowered or led to believe that they could actually affect the world around them. And so that's where the third element of our programming came in, service learning. And really every child in our program, as I said, plays soccer with their team, but in the fall they write poetry about the things that are on their minds. And in the spring they act about the things that are on their minds. They take action in their local communities. So it's really about giving kids voice and agency and it's all child driven. So while we have coaches who facilitate all of this, the choice of topics, the choice of service projects, uh, even some of how they center as a team and the team norms are very much child-driven and child-centered, really focused on how do we help kids grow to be the best that they can be. Well, that's, that's excellent stuff. And obviously it's, it's grown uh, quite a bit. Um, in addition to being the CEO of DC Scores, you're also the network president for America Scores. How many cities have a scores program and do you have plans to expand beyond where you're at now? Absolutely. So scores grew pretty organically as folks who knew about it in D.C. or had worked with scores left D.C. and went to other cities or learned about it and launched it in their cities. We're currently operating in 11 cities across the U.S. and Canada. And yeah, we absolutely would love to grow to serve every child who needs us. That's our big focus is working with kids who really, really need us. Our programming is 100 percent free. That's part of our core values. Our programming is school-based and neighborhood-based, which is also part of our values. Our coaches are school-based and neighborhood-based. Part of the way that we operate is we ensure that kids are coached, provided mentors from within their own community, folks, adults who understand what their daily lives and challenges are like, because it really helps build for a stronger knit team. And as a result of that, most kids who join scores don't join for a season. They join for a lifetime. I have coaches in D.C. who've been coaching for more than 20 years. I have coaches in D.C. who were children in the program 20 years ago and have now been coaching for a decade in their own elementary school. It becomes such a core part of kids' identity. And absolutely, I talk regularly with folks in different cities who are interested in learning how to bring scores to their communities. And if you're interested, please reach out to me as well. I'd love to talk to you. We would love to see the scores program grow in that way and um, would, would be proponents of supporting that and want to you know, pledge our support to help you uh, in, in growing that. And, and readers, please contact Bethany if you think you can support a scores program in, in your neighborhood. Um, you know, it, we know that one of the major problems with youth sports today 
is it seems to be access. And you're addressing that directly by creating spaces that are safe for not only sports, but also these other learning opportunities within the neighborhood. Um, I think that we found that that's so critical because transportation is a challenge and also kids need children in their neighborhood, in their direct circles that are caring adults um, to believe in them, to uh, say, I know you can go the next step and help them to get to the next step. So maybe you could just say a little more about that and the value SCORES provides in that space for children. Absolutely. Access is such a challenge when you're talking about equity in sports. And access means so many different things. There's financial access. Are there financial barriers to playing? Whether it be league fees, we don't have them. Our programming's free. Whether it be equipment, we actually kid out every child's shoulder to shins for free. We want every kid to have the baseline equipment. Whether it be field equipment, we actually provide our school partners in many cases with goals and cones and pennies and all the equipment. So there's the financial element of access. There's, as you said, Kristen, the geographic element of access, right? Are there other other sports opportunities in your neighborhood that you can get to? Are there other teams there? Is it just one team? Because you can't run a league if you have a team, right? You need more than one team to run a league. Uh, Are there transportation barriers, right? Just because there might be a playing field in your neighborhood, if it's two blocks away and you're walking through gang territory or it's across a major highway, it's not accessible. Right. It's not a safe place for you to get to, even if the field itself, once you're there, is safe. And so there's all different elements of access. The way that we really tackle it through scores is our goal is to remove all the barriers to a kid being able to participate. The financial barriers, the geographic barriers, the transportation barriers, the equipment barriers, the coaching barriers, making sure that we have coaches that we train in positive youth development in trauma informed healing centered approaches to coaching because the kids we're working with often have high degrees of trauma in their life and these different approaches that can really help them center when they're on the field and make sure we're really helping that kid develop into their best self, not getting distracted by behavioral things that may have little to do with the sport, often have little to do with the sport and and happen with other things going on in that child's life. We want to make sure that all those barriers are removed through what we do and how we operate so that the kid can experience the beauty and the power of sport, the beauty and the power of being part of a team. Well, you guys have done a tremendous job of providing that access and removing those barriers. And then, of course, in February, March of this year, uh, a pandemic rolls along. And I don't know that any of us had planned for uh, that sort of uh, obstacle to access. So I'm curious how um, COVID-19 has affected what you're doing with DC scores, um, how you've handled that and what you're doing to connect with kids and really uh, um, still provide that access in, in light of the current environment. It's a great question. You know, it's a challenge we're all facing is how do you continue in this time of great uncertainty in this time when you're physically isolated, right, from the communities that keep you strong. And in our, our kids' cases, for many of them, school is their safe space. And so when they're they're physically isolated at home or in a neighborhood that might not feel as emotionally safe or physically safe, depending on the kid and their circumstances. Our goal uh, when the pandemic shut down our in-person operations in D.C. and across America scores has been uh, and remains to help keep kids, the children that we work with, almost entirely children of color, black and brown children, feeling safe, supported, connected and hopeful. And that's been our guiding star. Our guiding star has not been get back to soccer. Our guiding star has not been even get back to poetry. 
It's how do we help kids feel safe, supported, connected, and hopeful that they know they're part of a team, that their team and their coach still have their back and still are available for them in whatever form that means. And that's really challenging when you can't see kids, right? When you can't go out and actually like grab them and see their faces and get them out of the halls and onto the field every day. And so we have done a number of things. One, we pivoted very quickly to provide fully online programming, soccer workshops, poetry workshops, team meetings, et cetera, all online using tools kids were already uh, beginning to use in schools. So really leveraging and partnering with our, our school districts and our school partners the way that we do in normal times, except this time during COVID, we're not partnering on field space. We're partnering on tech, you know, tech um, alignment. That's one. Number two is because we know a lot of the kids that we work with are on what I'd call the wrong side of the digital divide. They don't have universal access to devices, to high-speed Wi-Fi, um, to be able to have all of those resources. We made a lot of our resources asynchronous as well. So we put stuff online that kids could download. We flipped into allowing and encouraging coaches to reach out and call kids and their families to check in, particularly kids who weren't showing up consistently in the online programming. We have sent in DC over 2000 poet athlete kits home. We call all of our participants poet athletes. And the poet athlete kits are, are boxes that contain everything a child needs to participate. A jersey, a soccer ball, a pump, a poetry workbook, pencils, a face mask, hand sanitizer, cones, um, everything that kid would need to participate from home, whether or not they're ever able to log in or not. Any kid who registers for our programming gets a, a poet athlete scores at home kit sent home for free right now. Because again, it's about keeping the kid feeling safe, supported, connected, and hopeful. We have brought in guest speakers. So we've leveraged some of the opportunities created by the pandemic that has more folks connected digitally. And just yesterday, Crystal Dunn, U.S. Women's National Team member, joined programming to talk directly to our poet athletes and help encourage them to stay focused during this time, but also provide them her insights into how she's navigating these challenging times. And that's been one of the biggest hits. We, we continue to reach out to our families and ask for feedback. And that's one of the things they're most excited about is that kids get to interact directly with some of their heroes. And so really trying to create all sorts of different opportunities online and offline for kids to keep connecting and engaging and feeling safe, supported, connected, and hopeful. And I have to attest uh, to our listeners that your online materials, your online virtual trainings and information, they're top notch. Uh, we've shared them on our website. Um, and we did a summer camp this summer, a virtual summer camp for kids and um, shared a number of those resources with our campers. Like when we did a couple days on soccer training, uh, you have a video on how to make a soccer ball if you don't have a soccer ball out of socks, um, which was creative and intuitive and I think downright fun. Um, I also think, you know, during this time, for a kid to receive their very own poet athlete kit in the mail has got to be just an empowering feeling, you know, something addressed just to them. Um, I, can't, I can imagine the excitement that that would bring to those kids. Um, so thanks so much for that vision. Uh, well, in addition to the pandemic, um, our country has been very focused on issues of racial injustice and systemic racism. Uh, so your website recognizes that America Scores stands with our community against hatred, prejudice, racism, and police violence. Bethany, can you tell us how Scores is specifically supporting the Black Lives Matter movement and fighting these issues? 
Absolutely. And that's such an important question, not just right now, but at all times. Over 90% of the children that SCORES works with today are and historically have been black and brown children, children of color. And so we're talking about you know, the real impact on the daily lives of the kids that we work with and challenges that they face daily that often come out through their poetry. These issues that have thrust into the forefront of the national scene over the last year, six months, are things our kids grapple with every day and talk about every day. And so for us at SCORES, our focus, again, with the concept of safe, supported, connected, and hopeful being front and center has been, one, how do we make sure that we as an organization not only are doing everything that we can to advance racial equity in and through our operations and our programming, but that we are not inadvertently doing anything to harm racial equity, right, or to create inequities. And so we, each of our affiliates are taking a really close look at themselves, their own operations, how they deliver programming, because the programming is consistent, but obviously every city is a little bit different. And you might call it a racial equity audit, but we're all doing that at the local level. On the national level, we're continuing to develop guidelines and policies about what we expect of ourselves as an organization, the standards we hold ourselves to when it comes to advancing racial equity in and through scores. And we're continuing to work with and talk to our coaches and our kids and our families and ask, what do you want? What do you need? What can we do in these arenas to be helpful and meaningful to you, as well as our all of our staff, right? This is a collective effort. And that's one of the things. It's a journey, not a sprint. This is a consistent journey. Not an, There's not an end line that you're done with this journey. And so really making sure that as we are doing this work, we maintain that mindset and we maintain that approach has been front and center for us. Well, bravo on the work you're doing. I think uh, it's so important and you're right. It is definitely ongoing and something we all need to work towards in terms of uh, not only sort of addressing injustices, making sure that we're not contributing to that. So I love the way you phrased that. Now, uh, we uh, always like to end on a positive note and talk about the sort of power of sports and the power uh, that organizations like yours have to impact children. Uh, but we've got, I think, a, a special treat today. Um, we we want to hear from the child uh, involved in DC scores themselves. So uh, I'll hand it over to you, Bethany, to introduce uh, uh, a little uh, audio here from uh, one of your uh, um, student athletes in scores. Uh, and tell us about that and uh, what we're going to hear here in just a second. Absolutely. So before I, I set up the audio you're going to hear, I want to share that for so many kids that we work with, DC scores, America scores, it's not just an activity that they do or something on the side. It is a huge part of their core identity. So much so that if I wear one of our jerseys while walking down the street in Washington, DC, or hopping on the metro, or even in other cities where we work, and the logo's big and visible, someone somewhere stops me and goes, oh my God, I was in DC scores in whatever school in whatever year. I'm talking like complete strangers, right? <laughs> Who don't know me. But like I've had been hollered at across the metro. I've been hollered at across the street. I've been hollered at by people walking, riding by on their bikes. Super excited because it is such a core part of their identity that they want to, the fact that I am wearing this t-shirt and they don't know me, Right. I'm just this, as I, as I often like to say, I'm just this strange middle aged lady. They don't know um, that they reach out and they want to say hello. Right. That that connection is so strong. And 
When you hear our kids perform their poetry, I think you'll understand why. Poetry is something you often think of as an individual endeavor, but we do it as a team endeavor. So kids, yes, they do write individual poetry. They do perform individual pieces, but they also create spoken word poetry together as a team where they really amplify each other's voices. And every typical fall, um, we hold a huge citywide poetry slam in each of our cities. Every single child in our poem, in our program, excuse me, gets up and performs original spoken word poetry on stage with their soccer teammates. What that means is that the kid who joined to play soccer, but doesn't think of themselves as an artist or a writer or a performer is up on stage performing. And the kid who never thought of himself as a soccer player, but has been spent, spent the last three months also playing soccer is right there with their soccer teammates cheering them on. And I've had experiences where I've been on the side of the field talking to kids in scores and they're falling all over themselves to say, have you met my best friend? He's the best soccer player on our team. And meanwhile, that child's falling all over himself to say, hey, wait, have you met my best friend? He's the best poet on our team. Wait till you see him perform. And I'm talking like 10 year old boys having that conversation. It is such an incredibly powerful thing to give these kids the opportunity to just get up and say what's on their mind. And I hope you'll agree with me after you hear this piece. Put your hands together right now for Miriam! I joined DC Scores because I like soccer and I heard about poetry and, I was, and I'm really good at writing, so I thought I would really enjoy it. I am. I am not who you think I am. I am somebody you should get to know. I am sweet, strong, and independent. Sit back and watch me grow. Yes, I get upset, angry, and mad, but I'm also capable of making people feel glad. Glad that I'm warm-hearted and approachable, not cold as ice. But I'm going to be somebody. Trust me, I am. DC Schools. DC Schools is like a tub of ice cream. Teachers are like my chocolate syrup and everything together. Friends are like my sprinkles. We share happy moments. The food is like the cherry, good and healthy. When I first went to DC Schools, I was frightened. I thought people were going to make fun of me. I did not know anybody. I did not learn as fast as everybody. I felt like a nobody. But it was the teacher's kindness that made me as confident as the kid who wants dessert. My friend's honesty that made me as safe like clothes as when you taste ice cream. The food that made me as energetic as a kid getting ready for a DC score soccer game. So goodbye summer, hello fall. School is lit and I'm ready for ice cream. Well, that is so terrific. So exciting to hear that. And thank you for sharing that with us. Thrilled to have that concrete example. And so cool what you said uh, before the clip uh, about uh, kids really being proud of not only their own achievements in, in you know, not just sports, but poetry, um, but also their teammates. Uh, that, that's really cool to hear. Anthony, thank you for what you do. Um, you know, you're, you're a hero of ours. Um, and, and we applaud you. And we say, keep doing it. Um, I love your, your tagline. You want kids to feel safe, supported, connected, and hopeful. Well, you've provided us and our listeners with great hope today. So thanks so much for joining us. Thank you both for having me. And I got to say, I appreciate your kind words, but the real heroes out there are the coaches that continue to work with these kids day in and day out and be there for them no matter what. It's what keeps me going and it's so inspiring.
Yeah, we could not agree more with that. Well said. Uh, thanks so much again. Kristen really enjoyed our conversation with Bethany, uh, who we've enjoyed getting to know over the past year. She's doing great work in the D.C. area. What did you take away from our interview with Bethany Henderson? Well, I love how Bethany's entrepreneurial spirit led her to have a career that was meaningful, fun, creative, and impactful, not only for her, but for the children in that community. It reminded me a little bit about David Brooks, who wrote the book uh, Second Mountain. You know, she she climbed her second mountain very early in life, and now she's making a big difference uh, for, for children. And I, she said this twice, the power and value of a coach is critical. And then she said, the power and value of a team is critical. And boy, we agree to that, right? I mean, we say we're looking for a team for every child. And that's certainly what DC Scores and the Scores Network is is creating. Without a doubt, a really, really great example of uh, what we're trying to accomplish here. So thanks to Bethany for joining us. And we want to thank everyone here uh, for listening to us on the Play Like a Champion show. Remember, you can subscribe and download on your favorite podcast platform. Do that now so you don't miss a single episode going forward. More great guests coming up soon. And if you haven't listened to the first uh, several episodes of the show, go back and do that as well. Connect to us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Visit our website, playlikeachampion.org, where you can find all this information and connect to the show. Kristen, thanks as always for being here. I look forward to our next conversation. Thanks, Pete. Thanks to Bethany. And especially thanks to that poet. What a beautiful experience that was. And I thank all of our listeners. And I wish everyone a great week. And wherever you are, remember to play like a champion each and every day. Mm -hmm.